Hey everybody, it's Chris here. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of Comic Zombie. Uh, just a quick intro here. Like the last couple of episodes that we've posted, um, this one was recorded previously. It's the last time we're going to do this, I promise. It's a bit of a grab bag. We have a lot of different topics we'd like to discuss here today. Um, we talk about The Walking Dead a lot because Eric has just recently gotten caught up on the television show uh, after not watching for like four or five years or something like that. Uh, we talk about Green Lantern. Joined as always by my cohort, Eric, my favorite Walking Dead character is the governor and I have the tattoos to prove it, Slater. Uh, my name is Chris, and thanks again for joining us for another episode of Comic Zombie. Please enjoy. Joining me is Eric Slater. My name is Chris Carroll, and this is Comic Zombie. Hi, Freeze. I'm Batman. Ah! Some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate a wheel. Um, the other big one I've been watching though is The Walking Dead. Finally, after all this time, after after Chris has gotten on to me for the last years. like five or six years to finally catch up. Um, so I was like way back on season four, I think it was, it was, I was like, it was the Terminus stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So like, Jesus. which was shocking. And it was weird that like so much that hadn't been spoiled for me. Cause I was legitimately shocked, but it was so cool when they actually included stuff from the comics. Cause yeah. like, I remembered like that moment, the tainted meat moment. Yeah. Yeah. That they switch. They, and they do what they do in a lot of these adaptations where they switch yeah. the character. Obviously, Dale is who it happens to in the book. Yep. At that point in the show, Dale's been dead for two seasons. Exactly. So they find another character like, oh, we'll make you love this guy that we made up, yep. and then we'll do that to him. Yeah, but wow. it was a really, really clever use of like moments like that that would pop up. Because I remember the comic pretty well. Yeah. That, that comic sticks with me. I'm still not 100% they caught up. But... They didn't go quite as hardcore as they do in the comic where they mm -hmm. make Gabriel march them out to where the yeah. school where those guys hang out. Mm -hmm. And then Andrea's like got sniper on him while mm -hmm. Rick and them just chop them to pieces in front of each other. Yeah. Like they make the other ones watch. Yeah. It's like Abraham and Rick <laughs> throw these dudes on a table and just butcher the crap. And they make, they make uh Gabriel yeah. watch too. Yeah. It's pretty it's disturbing like, stuff. Like blame him for it happening. So like yeah. you get to watch the consequences of your actions. And yeah. at that point you're like, are Rick and these dudes the good guys or what? But well, yeah. In the context of the story, like they've been wrong terribly. Totally. And they, but yeah, when you see that moment from, Gabriel's perspective in both the show yeah. and the comic. Exactly. You can kind of see his point of like, these are not good people. Well, because he doesn't know the context. Yeah, he definitely. know what they've been through with those people. Well, and they, they also included that moment where Rick has that whole speech where he says, we are the walking dead. Yep. And yep. they nailed it. It was perfect. It was a totally different scenario, if I'm not mistaken. It wasn't the same um not i mean because the, the they were still in the prison right, right. yeah it's a different place and, and the setting is different but it's kind of the same thing where people are are kind of still trying to argue about things the way they were yeah the and ethics the and it kind of comes around to the way that they had the show version of shane's thinking yeah obviously just not as terrible at it as shane was right but he does come along like all right yeah everyone's right like it Fighting for what used to be is pointless because it's never coming back. Yeah, exactly. Of course, he then changes his mind when he realizes it is possible. <laughs> then, yeah, like the next episode. Sure force of will. He's like, yeah. no, it's going to happen. Damn it. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's, um, you know, he's human. He That's yeah. the thing about Rick is that he makes mistakes, but he's 
you know, he faces him totally. and, and he changes his mind when he feels like the evidence is like, hey, change your mind. Definitely. Um, but, well, and like all the Alexandria stuff was great. And then he gets Negan. Oh, no. The episode oh. where he has his meltdown. Yeah. Where he fights Pete. The dude who's beaten his wife. Oh, God. Yeah. That was disturbing. Guy, like, yeah. Untouchable because of his position right. in the town. And Rick's like, fuck that. And yeah. they start fighting. And then he's like covered in blood. And he's like, we got to keep the crazies out. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, I see that. And he's like, me? You mean me? And even his friends yeah. are like, holy shit, dude. Yeah, he kind of went over the edge a little bit. Well, I mean, yeah, he, you know. At that you point, can't blame he, him. He's been put in charge of everything and all the responsibilities on him. And he just kind of finally cracked as soon as there were walls around him. Yeah. And then you realize in the very next episode, like, no, nah, he's right, dude. Because look, walkers are inside. Right. Like, <laughs> he's always right. Exactly. Um, and then, of course... The Negan stuff, which was so much more intense than I was expecting. Yeah. And like people warned me about it. There was people that stopped watching the show because of that episode. Well, they, well, you think about it because season six ends on a cliffhanger and it's weak sauce, man. That, sh- that was weak. I don't know. Yeah, it was effective, think, yeah, man. Yeah but, yeah, but you're watching it without having to wait a year. Oh, good point. Yeah. So they ended it with that. And it yeah. was like, oh, bite me. Like people were <laughs> yeah. pissed. Yeah. It's it would have been like, much more effective to end it with them just like being surrounded by the whistles and yeah. like all that, knowing like they're totally screwed and Maggie's yeah. going into labor or whatever. Or I, having I mean, issues like you yeah. end it there yeah. and then pick season seven up where they did. Right. You don't have to have them all lined up and stuff and be like, here it comes, here it comes. Yeah. Oh my God, wait a year. Like, <laughs> that made a That's lot That's clever of though. Mad. No, it, I mean, it backfired hard. Yeah. It backfired hard. The show's never been the same ratings wise since. Yeah. It's still been the most popular thing on AMC, but it's not sure. been like the 13 million viewers an episode on AMC and yeah. like another 50 million on. Yeah. Um, it's still super popular, but it's not sure. what it was. And a lot of people tied to that. And then they waited a yeah. year and then it's the most emotionally. It's a rough episode. Devastating episode. And then, but they, it was good. And they kept that there yeah. for two seasons. Yeah. With that, like no moments of like our heroes are fighting back. They lose like all the time. Yeah. It gets pretty desperate. Right. Yeah. And so, that combined with the fact that a lot of the episodes where the fights are between the two communities, I believe you're on season eight. Yeah, I'm I'm a few episodes in season okay. eight. Where so you've both, probably yeah. seen a few of them at this point where there's like gunfights where they're like really close to each other. Yeah. And nobody gets shot. Yeah. And it's like the action scenes are kind of clumsy. A little bit. Um, the, <laughs> season eight and the second half of season seven, like I, that's where the show lost a lot of people. Mm. A lot. I think it might be because I'm watching it like through streaming. Exactly. I can watch them it's like in one better. sitting. Yeah, and it's it's really good. On a rewatch, I didn't have any I'm of the surprise. problems I had watching it week to week. I feel like the pacing's actually gotten better. But Honestly, again, it feels like that. You know, and, and that may be a byproduct of people like starting to yeah. make their material for people to consume like in binge fashion. Yeah. But when you're airing it every week. Yeah. And in some cases, cool. like when you have your eight episodes, then the hiatus, you got to wait three months for episode nine. Yeah. And then like there's two episodes of like, man, Negan sure does still suck. <laughs> and you're like, I get it. I don't need to know who Simon is. I don't well, need to know who any of these people are. And it is an interesting choice that some episodes will focus on like one or two characters. Yeah. And that's it. And you've got like 80 characters at that point. Yeah. So the, so. the, the I, I feel like the pacing starts to suffer a little bit. Because if no you're watching it momentum. one week at a time, yeah, right. There was no forward momentum. It was like this is just the new status quo. Right, fucking shitty all the time. Like a lot of those episodes could have taken place at the same time. It's just instead well, of intercutting, we need a whole freaking episode of Eugene at, at the king at the. Uh, I kind of liked it. I kind of like that. 
I mean, that was a good episode. whole episode of his yeah. dialogue gets grating to me. <laughs> I do like the like, the plot of it was really yeah. good. I just yeah. like to me. Like, I'm surprised he's still alive. A or a B plot, but give me split it yeah. with something else. Yeah. Like, give me something else. Like, yeah. That was. I think there was like three minutes of other people in that episode that weren't <laughs> Fair living in sanctuary. Yeah, totally. Um, and, and it's like there's nobody gives a shit. I don't care. I'd much rather see him as a boogeyman. Yeah. Don't show me like the day to day of the sanctuary. I don't give a shit. <laughs> show me what the people that I care about are going through yeah. under these impossible circumstances. And mm-hmm. then this dude shows up again, like the boogeyman to see yeah. the crap out of both them and the viewer. Sure. Instead, they did like what the bad horror movies do. Yeah. And they review, like they show way too much. Too much too early. Right. Yeah. They just, they were like, all right, now to switch the focus of the show to a day. Like, well, they did it like five times. <laughs> like, I mean, it's so crazy. It does seem kind of interesting that they're starting to make Negan a little empathetic. Yeah. I didn't expect that. Episodes. I didn't expect that. So, but in the comics, they, I'm not going to say empathetic, but in the comics, yeah. Spoilers. Yeah. But in the comics, at one point after he's been. Mm-hmm, I don't know, man. Okay. I might just leave it alone. I'm up to what? Issue 130, something like that? You've probably read. All right. So at one point, I'm just going to say, all right, at one point, Negan gets out of his cell. Um, I'm not going to tell you how he gets in the cell, what cell I'm talking about. I'm not <laughs> sure. going to tell you any of that, right? You can okay. get there, you don't. Okay. But at one point, Negan gets out of his cell, and he and Rick have to fight side by side against like a crap oh. ton of walkers. Yeah. And at that point, Rick's kind of gets to the point where he's like, uh, I don't trust this guy, mm-hmm. but he might be a valuable weapon. Yeah. And then you get to the whisperer stuff, which you'll get to in yeah. about a season and a half. So I'll leave that alone. Sure. Um, you get to in about mid mid season nine. Okay. Um, but you guys are getting an interesting part of the show where season eight ramps up towards the end. They make a decision that the actor didn't see coming. And like, mm-hmm. it was Scott Gimple decided to do it. And it really? Was, I totally disagree with it. Okay. Uh, and I think the show misses this character mm. tremendously, but something happens towards the end of season eight where, where uh, uh, one of the longer characters ditches out. And then in season nine, another one does. Then in season 10, another one does. Yeah. So by the time you get to the end of season 10, or at least the episodes they've aired to this point, because I believe the next batch is still technically season 10, the COVID episodes. Oh, yeah. Um, so there's going to be like a 24 episode season 10 or something like that. Oh, nuts. Oh, oh, when you get to the where I am, there's like two characters left from the original game oh man like, yeah eh, you start to feel what people are talking about well that happened in the comics sort of too right a like there bit, was rick yeah, and a little bit but there's not no extent, i that's spoilers that's spoilers, not to like... the extent that it happens in the show okay and that's just a natural thing of having a sure. television show with having so many moving parts and actors to get other yeah. roles and blah 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 sure well that's not true there's three three from the original kind of gang okay. for the most part uh they're still around now there's going to be a rick movie Right, um, yeah. And they, they've been talking Rick about the movie. for like two, you know, Walking Dead. Rick yeah, exactly. They've been talking about this movie for like two years. Okay. And the other shows, Fear the Walking Dead and the new series World Beyond, the miniseries. Sure. Um, are both seeding the ground for the characters. That's kind of cool. I, I don't want to spoil I know, I know. I just... For the characters that are involved with how they're setting that movie up. Yeah. And uh, so it feels like it's still going to happen, but apparently COVID's really like put the brakes on it. Yeah. Um, and they're using it to like really just rewrite the shit out of it. Not to the point that it needed rewrites, but they're fine tuning. Totally. Tweaking. And like, this is going to be like the best written script ever. <laughs> like it's been. Well, hopefully we get it before the Avatar sequels. Yeah. <laughs> those, the, which, you know, we'll see if those we'll ever come out. We'll see if they ever come out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. Oh, James but no, Cameron. The, show's, but, the show has its ups and downs, but I think for the most part, it's it's really, really good. So far, I think my favorite character's got to be Morgan. 
He was handled oh. so well. Dude, you'll you know. dig Fear the Walking Dead a lot, because in later seasons, he becomes a regular on that show. Oh, shit, I didn't realize yeah, that. Wow. Really cool. I gotta, it I really gotta catch up. It elevates it, honestly. Like, yeah. once he, once he gets on, I think it's season four. Okay. I'll say it's four. Once he and another character from the main show sure. kind of migrate over eventually, mm-hmm. um, it, it, they change the way they tell stories on that show, and it really okay. improves. If you haven't seen Fear the Walking Dead. Yeah, not yet. Check it out. Uh, it's the first season is short. It's like six episodes, mm-hmm. and it's a little uneven. Okay. Um, and to be honest, like the characters, it's kind of like a horror movie where you're like the threat's very obvious. Yeah. And there's like one person who's like, "Yo, we're in some deep shit," <laughs> and everyone else is like, yeah, "It'll be fine." Uh, and it like <laughs> like the, when the zombie outbreak first happens, yeah, like it takes place before the first show, or at least yeah. the first season does. They're yeah. caught up now, where they're on the same timeline, yeah. but. Um, it's like it there's really a Category takes... Five heading right for us. It'd be fine. <laughs> like uh, the Floridian attitude, exactly. except with zombies. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and then the military like immediately goes into like Day of the Dead level. Oh shit! Military. Like you'll do what I say, or I'll shoot you. <laughs> oh fuck! Uh, like immediately. Yeah. Uh, which is you know I understand. probably how it would happen. I understand, but <laughs> yeah, maybe it would. That's terrifying. But uh, well, yeah, the acting's pretty good in it. And then season season one's almost well, like then... a prequel. It like oh. just sets the show up, really. Like I yeah. said, it's only like six episodes. Yeah. Uh, but it, it takes the show a little bit to find its footing, but it's never boring. It's yeah. just like, what are you, where are you going with it? Well, it. I was starting to get kind of get like, okay, what is going on here for a little bit? There was a few episodes there where I was like, I'm going to stick with it. But like, I'm kind of not sure where they're going. But then they introduced Ezekiel. Which was awesome. Yeah. And then they introduced, uh, what was it? The, the junkyard people. Yeah, th- that's me which the show, and it's super weird. They're very weird. The, the problem I have with them is not that they live in a junkyard, which makes sense from like a, a defense standpoint. Sure. Um, it's the fact that they're already acting like the Beyond Thunderdome yes. kids. <laughs> and it's like, it's been like tops six years. Yeah. Tops. Since everything fell apart. Maybe they escaped from the games. insane asylum and went to the but junkyard they, together. Are they already in like the crappy haircut, like... Yeah. yeah, chewy to chomp chomp. Yeah, you know, like the weird speaking stuff. Like, speaking of Beyond Thunderdome, though, one of the first episodes with them in it, Rick has to fight. Rick has to, covered. Yeah, exactly. Oh, he has yeah. to fight in the what I'm going to call the arena, which yeah, is it's like just a big pit in the junk in the in the trash. And they rigged up this zombie with like these spikes and shit, and like yeah, a he's metal got a helmet, helmet with like spikes nailed into it, and he's got like rebar stakes shoved through him. So like anyway, you grab him, it's sharp <laughs> and rusty, and Rick's already like all jacked up. So that was, he has to fight this thing and like you can't get your footing anywhere yeah exactly it was it was that, a really cool sequence that was one of the most badass things i've ever seen it was so cool i wasn't expecting it either because it wasn't in the comics at yeah. all so no, i thought that was kind of cool and that's sometimes when they take those detours it works out really well all yeah it's like true true trash people i get to the point where like when they showed up <laughs> i was like oh for god's sake <laughs> um but again like there's times yeah. where that show like irritates the crap out of me some characters i just don't get but it also does a really good job of every time I'm starting to have my interest wane just a little bit, they'll like punch me in the face with something. Right. Like, oh shit. Yeah. Like, all right, well I got it. Watch now. I'll They're great this. at their reveals the and like the fake stuff, outs. When they get to the whisperer stuff where they, they, there's a, an event in season nine, like in the comic. Yeah. And then from there they have a time jump. Okay. Jump ahead a few more years. Yeah. Which and makes when sense. That happens. The, the show does a great job of like, it's when they switched showrunners to Angela Kang became the showrunner. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She crushes That's it. That's awesome. She crushes it. That's awesome. Um, 
she it feels like the, the ante's very high all the time like and a lot of the time the problem is that the the good guys because their communities have become so big at that point yeah like on the show the seasons you're it's watching, like in their network all these characters we're just like i don't know who that is and i do i care just because like they're good they're, they're good people yeah quote unquote um do you think they're kind of trying to pull like a game of thrones with like just like developing the world and throwing out all these characters and then uh, yeah, I, I mean know. at this point i don't i i it feels like they're just they're just throwing everything they got at the wall to see what sticks makes we'll sense say i'm really excited about they've got a couple shows coming out now that the main sh- the main show is ending after season 11 which okay. i think is really stupid but they're still doing it well they're doing how many different series now it's well, like well, it's like star trek in the 90s series. there's beyond like is a two season miniseries so <laughs> okay it'll be done uh, at the end this time next oh it's year. a miniseries yeah it's like oh that's cool 20 episodes total oh sweet Fear is a, is a totally different show. Yeah. At this point, it's in a completely different part of the country. Yeah. Um, and it, I think it exists just fine on its own. Nice. Um, they've really done a nice job of separating. And yeah. Becoming like a different type of show. Well, technically, now, they could do like a whole World War Z thing and do like other countries and well, shit if the they thing, wanted. The main show ends. Yeah. At least right now, the plan is two other shows are going to replace it. Okay. One is a spinoff focusing on Daryl and Carol. Oh shit! Uh, That's yeah. awesome. And then the other one is the one I'm really excited about, which is like a Tales of the Walking Dead anthology. That series, is so smart. Which can go all the way back to day one. Yep. And they've confirmed will have characters that may have already passed away on the show. Oh, so that's maybe a cool. You'll see, you know, yeah. Insert character that you like that's dead here. Maybe you'll see a Shane episode, or you know, I don't want to keep naming people that are dead. <laughs> yeah. like Noah, yeah, or somebody like that. I hear you. Beth, Herschel. Yeah. I mean, that's cool died a while ago so yeah 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 no chance of spoilers there at this point it's like eight years shut up yeah <laughs> so yeah um no the walking dead is is always true to my heart like i love the comic books so much i've read every issue like five times yeah um i've got all the image plus magazines that have like the shorts for me yeah. backstory in there i think the reason i held off is because i just i didn't feel emotionally ready you know because i knew if i was gonna binge it i was gonna lose a lot of characters i really liked so and I- sure enough <laughs> My wife stopped reading the book when I'm not even going to name names just because sure. reading, but when a certain character gets bitten, a uh, long time character gets bitten around yeah. like issue 150 something. Ooh. Let's leave it there. So if you read the book, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, when that happened, she she got to the issue ends where the character realizes they've been bitten. Yeah. The next issue is like the most heart wrenching issue. Like it's horrifying it's like maybe eight pages longer and it's just everybody saying goodbye to this character who's like bedridden and like fever burning them out and shit that's just awful um the whole episode reminds me of like a family going to say goodbye to someone like who's that oh yeah again damn Um, and it just totally messes that it was it was rough it's rough yeah the, instead of a letters column there's like a page from kirkman like i'm sorry i know this is really (laughs) rough you guys um, I gotta say though, Kirkman's a genius. He, yeah, but, like, but real quick before we get to what I think you're gonna talk about, sure. um, he uh, sh- she got to the issue where that character saw they were bitten, and ends with them seeing them and going fuck, <laughs> and <laughs> she knew what was happening. She's like, nope, I'm done. So she bailed out with like 35 issues to go, and I've got them all. Yeah, and I'm like, you gotta read them, and she's like, I will, I will. Yeah, and then like she gets around to doing it, she's like, I just, I don't think I'm emotionally prepared. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so that's kind of where I got to. His I think. genius was he did end the book on issue 193, mm-hmm. which bums me out because for years he's like, I'm going to 300 or further. Yeah, but he got to the point he was aiming to a lot faster than he thought he would. Sure. And he didn't want to just pad the book out. Right. Yeah. But the genius of it mm-hmm. was he did not announce the book was ending. 
Yeah, they even made like fake uh, promos fake for upcoming issues. Yeah, to make it's it look like up. one of the main characters is about to die, and like yeah. there's new characters, and this other guy with a sword, and you're like, whoa, who are these dudes? Yeah, and the thing is, they weren't anything. They were just uh. designed by Charlie Adler for a cover. <laughs> Uh, because the the book ended on one. That's so genius. There's solicitations though. out there for 194, 95, and one ninety four, ninety five, and one ninety six. The big build up to two hundred. Yeah, <laughs> this is never coming. Which is not. Uh, but oh, one ninety three. Such crazy is fake out. Fan- it's like it's like sixty something pages, so it's like three issues. That's awesome. Uh, and it's, I mean, it's a great wrap up. It yeah, really is. like it's well, like the way he tied up Invincible was phenomenal. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So same level of of execution. Oh, I'm sure. It's yeah. fantastic. Like, I'm great. sure he's great. Yeah. I can't wait for the Invincible. Same Amazon dude. Show. Oh That's my god! Yeah. Hey everyone, Scott here with my good pal Rich. Say hi, Rich. Hi. And we're here today to tell you about a podcast we host together with our buddies Jay and Bill, the RPG After Years. The After What? The RPG After Years. Our show has entered into a new era of covering everything RPGs, both old and new. Thus, it is after its first era. It's the After Years. I thought RPG was Rocket Propelled Grenade. No, RPG stands for Role Playing Game. It's a genre of video game. Every week we go through the latest news and discuss other relevant RPG related topics. We also review RPGs as we complete them. So an RPG is not a rabid Portuguese goose? No, thank God. From Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy to The Witcher and Cyberpunk, we've got RPGs covered from the dawn of time to the far flung future. Oh, I've heard of Final Fantasy. I'd hope so. So check us out on iTunes or whatever your preferred podcast listening platform happens to be. You can also find us at probablywork.com. Level up your podcast feed with the RPG After Years. Enjoy the show. everybody it's your old pal chris thanks for coming to another episode of comic zombie this is a special one-off episode or one-off issue where i'm just riding solo and i just wanted to go over something just been kind of going through and organizing some old books and um been coming across a lot of stuff that was really cool and a lot of stuff i was like oh man i kind of completely forgot about this and um i guess at one point my um organization just stopped and i just instead of alphabetizing anything or putting anything with the other you know putting the Spider-Mans with Spider-Man or the X-Men's with X-Men. Um, at one point, I just had all of the uh, like event titles in two long boxes. So one that was mostly Marvel, one that was mostly DC, you know, Crisis Books, uh, Metal, uh, Blackest Night, stuff like that for DC. And then what I wanted to talk about today uh, was the Marvel stuff, because I did see a lot of them that I immediately pulled aside to reread and realized that I had a giant stack Um some I'm not going to mention that I really like. I'm not even bringing up the X Men ones because that's a whole other list. There's like 20 awesome X Men event crossover stuff. Um, and some of the older ones like um, Marvel Secret Wars, uh, which introduced, you know, a ton of stuff like the black costume for Spider Man and um, new Spider Woman and stuff like that. And then uh, there's an, a, a bunch from that era that didn't quite make the cut. Um, but. So a lot of these are from around the same era. So apologies. I'm sure everybody's list is very different. But uh, this is my top 10 for now. I'm sure it would change in a couple days if I kept going through books. But my top 10 Marvel Comics event titles. So these are big, not always crossovers, sometimes just miniseries, but big, you know, universe changing. Nothing will ever be the same again events. Uh, And I've got 10 of them here. 
uh, like I said, honorable mention to you know the Kree Scroll War, uh, Marvel Superhero Secret Wars, and a bunch of other stuff that I mean a ton. Rise of the Midnight Suns is really cool. I'm gonna go start with number ten. With a, most of these are pretty recent, honestly. Uh, AVX or Avengers versus X Men. And this isn't the first time the Avengers and the X-Men have fought, but this was definitely the biggest um, long, long, long story short because this is a, a 12-issue book written by three or four of Marvel's biggest writers. It was Brian Bendis, Jonathan Hickman, Matt Fraction, and Jason Aaron. And I think that's it, but there might have been a fifth one and a whole host of artists. Um, in the story, the Phoenix Force is coming back to Earth. The X-Men are excited because at this point, no new mutants are being born and they're on the verge of extinction. And from the X-Men's point of view... The Phoenix coming to Earth is only a good thing for mutants because it's rebirth. You know, yes, death is part of the Phoenix, but rebirth is a big part, too. And they feel like the death they experienced was when uh, Wanda Maximoff flatlined the mutant species in House of M and that the Phoenix is going to be a rebirth. The Avengers, who count Wolverine among their members, uh, who is also on the X-Men at this point, but is kind of... You would think would generally side with the X-Men, but in this case, it sided with the Avengers, I guess, because they just the plot demanded it. But uh, he and Captain America and Iron Man and the gang are convinced that the Phoenix coming to Earth is not good for anybody. Um, the X-Men are convinced it's coming for Hope Summers, uh, Cable's adopted daughter, and, you know, uh, hinted at in the story that she's she's getting stronger. And her powers basically copy other people's powers. Um but the idea is that she's going to be the host for the Phoenix Force. So uh, a big fight ensues. The X-Men and the Avengers start teeing off. There's some really cool fights. And at one point, the Avengers uh, use a ray on the Phoenix that breaks it. And it splits into five different pieces and forcibly uh, attaches itself to five of the X-Men. Uh, Cyclops, Colossus, his sister Magic, Emma Frost, and Namor, who at the time, uh, he and Atlantis were allied with the X-Men. Namor being... Uh, of course, Marvel's first mutant character, predating the X-Men by about 25 years. Uh, from here on out, the Phoenix Five, as they're then called, basically reshape the world and the Avengers become the underdogs. Um, whereas the X-Men were clearly the underdogs to begin with because it was like S.H.I.E.L.D. and all the Avengers. So the X-Men, mostly the Phoenix Five, start dominating things and it, it really just keeps escalating and escalating um, until uh, you've got, you know, just chaos and a dark Phoenix arises um, it also sets the stage for a lot of future conflict when Namor as the Phoenix invades and smashes the crap out of Wakanda with like tidal waves and, and, and it really starts a war between uh, Black Panther and Namor that, that festers over for quite a while. Really good book. Um, if the tie-ins are all varying degrees of, of good, um, I really like Jason Aaron's Wolverine and the X-Men tie-ins. I thought they were really excellent. Uh, and a few other ones... Um, I believe X-Men Legacy was one of them. It was pretty cool where you got to see like Moon Knight versus Rogue and She-Hulk versus Frenzy. It was pretty sweet. Uh, number nine is Brian Bendis and Lionel Francis Yu's Secret Invasion. And Secret Invasion itself, the story, the, the, the main book itself is, is good. Um, I think the real appeal of this title is the way that it made you reread everything Bendis had ever written in Avengers because they clearly showed you that the scrolls were behind pretty much every single thing that had happened since New Avengers number one, and even some stuff before that, but that was where they really started their, their plan in earnest. And they had uh, undercover operatives. I don't want to spoil anybody with who they were, 
Um, one was a major superhero, and then the rest are like kind of supporting characters, but they're strategically placed to do the most damage. And the real appeal of it was that you had, at the time, after the Civil War, you had two Avengers teams. You had one on the underground team with like Luke Cage and Spider-Man and Wolverine, Doctor Strange. And then you had like the main government shield team, Iron Man, the Sentry, Ms. Uh, Captain Marvel, the Wasp, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and both of them knew the scrolls were up to something. But nobody trusted anybody, and so even on their own team, you know, the, the scrolls had figured out a way to fool everybody. Wolverine couldn't smell the difference. Daredevil couldn't tell the difference. Nobody could tell the difference between these scrolls and, and humans, which was something new. Um, so it was the conspiracy of it all. You know, the way you could reread years worth of Avengers books with this new filter, uh, and then it, the, the book itself is really good. It ends with like a giant, giant brawl and. In, in, um, in Central Park. And I couldn't remember if they had ever done anything like that. There's another huge fight in this uh, with Nick Fury and his new team fighting a bunch of Super Scrolls in Times Square. And looking back at it, most of these events either take place on other countries uh, or planets or dimensions or whatever. It's very rare that you actually see this happening like in New York. So that was kind of cool. Uh, number eight is Spider-Verse. And very different from the film we got. Similar only in that it features Spider-Man from multiple dimensions interacting with each other. And we did see Miles Morales and Peter Parker and Spider-Gwen all hanging out together. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, in this story, it follows up on a, on a character named Moreland, who had been introduced by J. Michael Straczynski and John Romita Jr., who's uh, an essentially like an unkillable powerhouse who um, feeds like energy drains and, and kills uh, what they call totem characters. So, Spider-Man is a totem character. Any 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 uh, character that like wears the symbol of an animal, like Craven had a he kept calling Spider-Man a totem character back in like the eighties. And um, so it turns out that that's actually a thing. And uh, Moreland and his family of immensely powerful, uh, basically spider vampires. <laughs> Uh, are traveling the multiverse and just killing Spider-Man after Spider-Man after Spider-Man. So all the other Spider-Men get together and team up and try to find a way to beat these guys. And the real appeal here is that when I say every Spider-Man, I mean every Spider-Man. Doc Ock, Miles, Peter, Ben Riley, Kane, all the Spider-Women, the cartoon versions going back to the 60s, uh, the, the live-action versions from Nicholas Hammond to Andrew Garfield, this is pre-Tom Holland. Uh, I mean, it is crazy. They've got uh, the Japanese Spider-Man is in it from the old TV show with the giant robot, like the Power Ranger robot. I mean, it's pretty badass. It's, it's really cool. The artwork, mostly by Olivier uh, Copiel, is fantastic. Uh, it's finished off by Giuseppe Camicoli, who's no slouch either. Uh, really, really cool and a lot of fun. Um, the tie-ins are all really good, too, but the main book is written by Dan Slott. Number seven, we're going with Brian Michael Bendis and Olivier Coppiel's Siege. Siege is a short one. It's only four issues, but it really is the, um, the wrap-up on, on, to that point, Bendis' run on Avengers. So when he started, he broke the Avengers and Avengers disassembled. He, bro he built the new team, fractured them, had the two different teams that I previously mentioned, you know, one on the run, one for the government. And at this point, um, after Secret Invasion... Norman Osborn, old smiley Green Goblin himself, has been placed in charge of the Thunderbolts, the reform villain super team. And he uses his success in that role uh, in the uh, 
events of secret invasion, he does something on a very public stage that gets him more power. He basically becomes the new Nick Fury, which is super, super scary. Um, he replaces the Avengers with supervillains in the guise of Avengers. Like Bullseye is dressed up like Hawkeye. Venom is, is acting like Spider-Man. You know, it's not cool. Um, and he starts getting power hungry. He's got guys like Ares, the God of War, and the Sentry, who's basically got himself on his team. And, um, you know, he's he's working with his own, like, Illuminati of Loki, Emma Frost, Namor, Doctor Doom, and the Hood. And um, Loki is trying to do his regular, you know, pull his nonsense and manipulate things and basically manipulates Norman into using Hammer, which is his version of S.H.I.E.L.D., to attack Asgard, which at the time is located on, on floating above United States soil. So it's accessible. So Norman takes Hammer and um, everybody at the Avengers Initiative Academy or Avengers Initiative Training Grounds or whatever, uh, which is another thing that sped out of Civil War where they were trying to put a superhero team in all 50 states. So it's an army of superheroes, Norman and his team of badasses, and then basically S.H.I.E.L.D. all attacks uh, Asgard at once. Uh, and this is where... Going all the way back to Disassembled years prior, this is the first time that the the main Avengers are all on the same page again. So you get Captain America and Iron Man fighting side by side for the first time in years, and Thor, Cap, and Iron Man fighting side by side for the first time in, I mean, at that point, it was almost 10 years where we had seen all three of them together where like one of them wasn't trying to kill the other two. Uh, and that's really the appeal of it. And also, you finally get... Thor versus the Sentry, and it is is badass. Well, really, Thor versus the Void, but that's a whole other can of worms to get into. Number six is another one by Brian Bendis and Olivier Coipiel, House of M. Uh, House of M is, simply put, the Scarlet Witch loses her marbles, uh, loses control of her reality-warping powers, rewrites reality so that mutants are in charge. Um, One by one, the superheroes, starting with Wolverine, start remembering the way things are supposed to be and have to mount a crazy assault against what's called the house of M or Magnus or Magneto uh, to try to figure out some way to force the Scarlet Witch to put things back the way they were. Uh, famously, the Scarlet Witch flatlines the, the mutant race at the end of the story, uh, which led to like a decade of problems for the X-Men. The art is phenomenal. It's really cool to see some characters that hadn't been around in a while, like cloak from cloak and daggers have featurely hovered. Oh my God. Cloak from Cloak and Dagger is featured quite heavily. Hawkeye, who had uh, been dead for like a year or two at this point, uh, it just pops back up. And it was like, man, I can't believe how much I missed Hawkeye. Uh, it's really cool. It's it's the X-Men and the Avengers, um, specifically like the new Avengers uh, early version of that team and the Joss Whedon Astonishing X-Men uh, teaming up to try to fix the world in this crazy mutant utopia kind of place. Uh, it's very interesting. Check it out. Number five is probably higher on my list than most people's, but it's Greg Pak and John Romita Jr.'s World War Hulk. You can easily put Planet Hulk here, too, uh, by Pak, Aaron Lopresti, and Carlo Pagulian. I forget, I'm sure I butchered the pronunciation there. Uh, but World War Hulk is the follow-up to Planet Hulk, essentially in Planet Hulk, um, the group known as the Illuminati, you know, Reed Richards, Iron Man, Doctor Strange, Namor. They... Um, send the Hulk into outer space, trying to send him to a peaceful planet full of nothing but like wildlife where he'll be able to live in peace for the rest of his life. 
because it's the Hulk, nothing goes right, and he ends up on Sakaar, which is the planet they used in the MCU and Thor Ragnarok, where you had uh, kind of a nod to Planet Hulk, where he's the gladiator. World War Hulk is where he comes back to Earth with his army of uh, gladiators to enact his terrible vengeance on the people that sent him into outer space, who he blames for the death of his, uh, his wife, his queen, and her unborn son. Or at least who he believes died. Uh, it turns out that his son, Scar, who's badass, uh, lived. But that's not the story. Um, World War Hulk, Hulk comes back to Earth, and he is madder than he's ever been. So he's stronger than he's ever been. And to demonstrate this, he starts his fight by going to Black Bolt of the Inhumans, one of the most powerful characters in the Marvel Universe that's not like a cosmic deity. And antagonizes him to the point where Black Bolt starts screaming at him, which should atomize him, really. I mean, the guy can turn a mountain into dust by shouting at it. That's crazy. But Hulk just gets a nosebleed, and he gets up, and he's pissed, and he just... The next time you see Black Bolt, he's beaten to a pulp, and he's the Hulk's prisoner. He then goes after the Fantastic Four so he can get Reed Richards. He beats the living crap out of all the Avengers just so he can get Iron Man. And one by one, all these heroes fall to the Hulk's wrath. And it's not until uh, Tony calls in his wild card, which is the Sentry, the Hulk's old friend, the Sentry, who's the only person, as, as the Sentry puts it, uh, th- each one of them is the only person that can take the damage dealt by the other one just cutting loose. So the Hulk can hit the Sentry as hard as he's ever hit anything, and the Sentry can take it. And the Sentry can hit the Hulk with everything he's got, and the Hulk can take it. So they can both finally cut loose for the first time. And it's pretty insane. Like, they're fighting. Each punch is, like, creating tornadoes and stuff. It's nuts. Really cool book. John Romita Jr.'s art's great. Uh, The coloring, uh, Justin Ponser, I believe, is fantastic. Check it out. Number four, and honestly, you could put this higher, but I I think for me it's number four, is Infinity Gauntlet by Jim Starlin, George Perez, and Ron Lim. Uh, Infinity Gauntlet is fantastic. Obviously, a lot of people are more familiar with it vaguely because of the uh, MCU movies. Really don't, I'm not going to say do them justice because they did their own version, but it's very different. The only real similarity is that Thanos snaps half the universe out of existence using the six Infinity Gems. From there, it's very different. But the real appeal of this is issues three and four, where uh, the Earth's remaining superheroes, because half of them are just gone, led by Adam Warlock, have to mount an assault against God, against Thanos, omnipotent Thanos. Um, Thanos' whole thing is he's, he just does all this because he wants to win the favor of death. In the Marvel Universe, death is actually has a, uh, like a personification, a, a cosmic entity that is the personification of death. Kind of like in Neil Gaiman's Sandman, death is like a goth girl. And this one is just this really quiet girl in a robe that you don't really see her face all that much. Sometimes she's a skeleton. Sometimes she's a beautiful woman, but she's always in the same robe. Thanos kills half the universe in her name. And then, uh, it still doesn't win her favor. So he's starting to get pissed off. Mephisto, the devil, uh, is whispering in Thanos's ear, God, uh, that, you know, Oh, the only way death will respect you is if you, you actually like have a chance at losing, So when these heroes come to attack you, you have to make it so that you can actually lose, which is actually brilliant on Mephisto's part because, you know, he wants to betray Thanos and take that gauntlet. And this is as good a chance as any. So when the heroes show up, instead of fighting them at full power, Thanos willfully lowers his power to 1%. And holy hell, what a 1%. You can't believe his 1% is enough to wipe the floor. He murders most of the Avengers. Uh, Let's see. 
He turns Wolverine's adamantium into spongy rubber, so he just collapses in a pile of goo. He shrinks the Hulk to the size of frickin' Ant-Man. He sends Fire Lord and Drax falling through time. He blows Quasar's quantum bands up, which blow his hands off, and then just disintegrates him. He creates a vacuum-sealed glass, or like impenetrable glass box around Cyclops' head, so he suffocates. Cloak tries to store him in his body. He just bursts through him. He creates, like, the perfect girlfriend for him to, like, taunt death at one point. She murders Spider-Man by crushing his face with a rock. She tears Iron Man's head off of his body. He turns Thor into glass and shatters him. He turns Nova into child's toys, like cubes. Who am I forgetting? Oh, he covers She-Hulk and Namor in, like, a fungus that just suffocates them and kills them. And he jacks Doctor Doom up pretty bad, too. He doesn't kill him, but he jacks him up. Basically, he, he murders everybody. Uh, and then kills Captain America, who's the last man standing. And then Silver Surfer and the cosmic entities like Galactus and all them show up. And then that's a whole other thing. It's insane. It is easily one of the best Marvel comics of the 1990s. And definitely one of my all-time favorite stories. Number three is going to be Mark Miller and Steve McNiven's Civil War. And a lot like Secret Invasion, the book itself is actually really cool. The art is fantastic. It's just gorgeous. Um, but one of the appeals of this was all the other ancillary Marvel Universe stuff. What was going on in the Marvel Universe leading up to this? Because they organically built this stuff in for like a year or two. So before there was any talk of a superhero registration act, it felt like the heroes were, each, were about to, you know, something was going to happen and they were just going to start coming to blows. Like there was a lot of almost fights, you know, brewing. And it they didn't disappoint. You know, the whole thing was uh what side are you on are you on captain america's side of anti-registration that it's anti-american to force these people who are sacrificing themselves to protect others to give up everything to a government that may or may not even be corrupt or do you side with tony stark and iron man who feels that if registration is the the compromise here then so be it because if we don't do this something worse is going to be forced on us later, which is basically what Tony's argument in the, the MCU um, is that, you know, this is the middle of the road. Cap's thing is like, I'm not compromising when I shouldn't have to. When, you know, I, my beliefs, I'm standing here planting my flag and I'm not going to move. And so you, you get this constantly escalating fight where I can see people. Some people complain that some of Iron Man's moves are really out of character. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I see it that way. I, Tony's always doing questionable shit. That's who Tony Stark is. But at the end of the day, he, he's trying to do what he feels is right. And so is Captain America. They're just diametrically opposed on this subject. And it's becomes very violent very quickly. There's a ton of um, like memorable what you might call like trailer moments. Um, in the first issue alone, you have the destruction of Samford and the, the city of Samford and the children at the school when uh, a supervillain detonates his explosive powers to get away from some poorly planned superheroing. Uh, you get Captain America being assaulted on the shield helicarrier and have to fight his way out of uh, specially trained soldiers, trained specifically to fight superheroes, jumps out of the helicarrier, lands on an F-16 and forces the guy to fly away. You know, the human torch gets jumped by a mob of civilians. It's, it's nuts. And that's just the first issue. It's absolutely crazy. Civil War is easily one of Marvel's best uh, event titles ever. Topped only by two others, in my opinion, for non-X-Men events at least. The first of which is the first in a series of uh, 
books and events that kind of restarted Marvel's cosmic universe and gave us the new version of the Guardians of the Galaxy that we all love so much um, is Annihilation. Annihilation is fan-freaking-tastic. It's written by Keith Giffen and art by uh, Andrea DeVito for the main title, um, but the... There was a one shot that launched everything that I believe was by Scott Collins, the art, or Collins, uh, famous for doing The Flash for so long with Jeff Johns. And then after the one shot that kind of launched the big event and introduced the villain that was there to kill everybody, no spoilers, uh, it then went to four miniseries. So it went from a one shot to four individual miniseries, each four issues long, that focused on like the four lead characters for the event, one of which was Nova, uh, Richard Ryder from Earth, um, Marvel's version of Green Lantern, essentially, but in my opinion, way cooler. Fight me. Uh, the other one was Ronan, as in Ronan the Accuser, as in the villain of the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Uh, there was a Silver Surfer one, and then Super Skrull, who, for those that are uninitiated, the Skrulls, the green monster aliens from Captain Marvel, and uh, the post credit scene in uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, uh, and the comics have had a long, 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 long-standing feud with the Fantastic Four. The Skrulls look at Reed Richards as, like, if someone took Hitler and Bin Laden and created a clone that's, like, 50-50. Hitler and Bin Laden. Like, they cannot stand Reed Richards. And so they built a Super Skrull. It's a Skrull that has the powers of all four members of the Fantastic Four. And so basically each one of their series follows them as they fight different aspects of what is being called the Annihilation Wave. Then the main miniseries picks up when essentially the war has been lost. The heroes totally lost. So you've got like Nova and Gamora and Drax and like a reintroduced Star-Lord who's still not quite the version we're used to seeing from the movies and stuff but is, is getting there. Um, and it is uh, it's insane. You get Thanos working for somebody. You get um, two other Galactus-type creatures from the first universe the the universe galactus is from these giant things called tenebris and aegis uh, aegis and tenebris of the sorrows or something like that i don't know two giant galactuses basically and the silver surfer has to fight them it's crazy um you get to see drax versus thanos you see the galactus go fucking ape shit and take out like a third of the universe in one attack it's pretty insane um it has my all-time favorite marvel cosmic moment where Nova, who's the hero of the story, and it becomes one of Marvel's most interesting and awesome characters in this arc, wins the big fight at the end by reaching down the villain's throat and yanking his guts out through his mouth. And it's not like off panel. Like, they show it. It's it's pretty metal. It's awesome. Yeah, Annihilation, man. Check it out. And my number one favorite is... Jonathan Hickman and, and I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, Isad Rubik, Secret Wars. So, so, so good. Um, I mean, it really didn't have a right to be as good as it was. Essentially, Hickman, like he does, is, was building to this for quite a long time. He was writing both Avengers and New Avengers, where he was setting all this up. And it ties back to this book he wrote, Shield. He wrote a book called Shield, which is about like, Nostradamus and like people from like way back when that kind of formed a shield society and this it's all setting all this crap up but a lot of his Fantastic Four run was setting this up we just didn't know it long story short in the new Avengers title uh, the Illuminati to Iron Man and them are having to go 
stop what's called incursions. Basically, the universe is dying and the multiverse is dying. And one at a time, these universes are colliding with each other and wiping each other out. And so Tony and Beast and Doctor Strange, Black Bolt, they all create a way to determine when one of these incursions is going to happen. And then they try to stop it. And inevitably, time after time after time, they have to destroy other planets that are full of like analogs of other company characters or they're like alt versions of Avengers and stuff like that. It's pretty cool. Secret Wars picks up when the last two universes are left. It's our Marvel 616 universe and what they call the 1610 universe or the ultimate universe. And they're colliding. So you've got the Avengers versus the Ultimates, the battle we never thought would happen. And it's it's pretty badass. Like Captain Marvel versus Ultimate Iron Man where she like wrecks the Iron Man like Mark 7 or whatever that giant like aerial spaceship thing he has she wrecks that and she's like tearing his arm off of him and he's like i can't help but be really turned on right now and she's just disgusting you know ultimate iron man's very different than regular um he's he's regular tony like turned to 12 uh but anyway uh the whole thing is we're just waiting for like reed or tony or somebody to come up with some plan that's going to stop this incursion and it just never happens so reed has built what they call a life raft and he and his family and T'Challa and some Wakandan scientists and Beast and some others are all trying to, like, gather up as many survivors as they can and get them on this life raft that's going to try to break through the bleed of universes into what's on the other side. Like, what's going to replace everything. Like, to take them into safety. Unfortunately, um, a bunch of the ships that are coming to bring people to the life raft don't make it. And... Reed and them get out just before the ultimate earth and our earth go bye-bye. Uh, unfortunately, not everybody makes it because during the transit part of the ship gets wrecked and Reed's family is gone. Thing, human torch, Sue and the kids all die and Reed has to watch it happen. Unbeknownst to them, there's another life raft that has like what we'll call the dark Illuminati. It's Thanos, Proxima Midnight, Corvus Glaive, Terex, one of uh, Galactus's heralds, and uh, Maximus the Mad from the Inhumans, and Namor. And they also are on a, a different life raft that makes it to what comes next. Now, unbeknownst to everybody on these situations, at this time, Doctor Doom and his allies, Doctor Strange and the Molecule Man, have confronted this race of ancient beings called the Beyonders. And the Beyonders are basically the architects of the universe. Uh, they, they are architects of the multiverse. And they're saying like, yeah, we're, we're bored. We're just going to start it all over. And doom does not agree <laughs> using the molecule man and Dr. Strange's powers in concert with his own doom steals all of the powers of all of the beyonders and becomes omnipotent. Doom is the new God. And using the power, he like the second he gets it, it's all over. Like everything's disintegrating. So he has to, his seconds, to, to act as soon as he gets this power that he doesn't know really how to use yet. So instead of saving everything, he's only able to save parts of everything. So you get this new world that is the only world in anywhere called Battle World. And it's this insane, crazy ass hodgepodge of locations and time periods and story arcs from Marvel Comics. It's crazy. Um, really, I, 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 I mean, I encourage you to look it up. There's a map. It's in the back of the book and that Marvel's put online a hundred times. You can look up. It has all the different zones. There's this giant wall that we later learned is actually created from the body of the thing. 
and the sun in the sky is actually the human torch in a cell being forced to burn at full power all the time. Um, Doom has used his abilities to rewrite reality where there was there is no Reed Richards. His wife, Susan Richards, is now Susan Von Doom. And Reed's children, Franklin and Valeria Richards, are now Franklin and Valeria Von Doom. So we learn what Victor really wanted all this time. It was just envy. He just he feels bad because Reed's better than him at everything, except having cool-ass armor. Um, so anyway, one of my favorite zones is the fact that at, beyond this wall that surrounds Doom's castle, uh, Doomstadt, <laughs> is the Wastelands. And the Wastelands is full of all kinds of crazy shit. It's got the uh, parts of the Annihilation Wave from Annihilation. It's got an army of constantly upgrading and self-replicating Ultrons. Like wild Ultrons that are like rebuilding themselves using like Sentinel technology and shit. And then you've got the Marvel Zombies. So from like the Robert Kirkman book where the, the Marvel characters are being turned into zombies and are still like keeping their intelligence but using it for like horrible purposes. They're still there. They're, you know, just like a big army of like disgusting half dead or half decomposed dead guys like venom's one of them that was pretty cool uh, the only other dr strange is like Do- uh, dr doom's lieutenant like his second in command he's the sheriff and dr strange um has people out looking for what they call like anomalies basically anything that could possibly bring into question the rightfulness of doom's rule like anything that could question his omnipotence is is considered an anomaly and must be dealt with immediately and so this is what this group finds the life rafts. And so reading them, get it's uh, Reed Richards, Black Panther, Spider-Man, uh, Star-Lord, and oh, crap. I'm forgetting some people. Anyway, um, they all make it. And Miles Morales, unbeknownst to everybody, has stowed away on the life raft full of the bad guys who make their entrance by killing Thor. But not just any Thor. Doom's police force is every Thor. So if there's ever been a Thor in any like alternate story, alternate reality, Beta Ray Bill, Ultimate Universe, Frog Thor, you name it. If there's ever been someone carrying Mjolnir or calling themselves Thor, they are part of Dr. Doom's Thor Corps, his police force. That's fucking hardcore. That is awesome. Oh, there's also an army of hulks that is run by the maestro, the old ancient or the old evil version of Bruce Banner. Um, he, he has a, a stolen helicarrier. It's just full of hulks and he flies around dropping hulks on people like this is the, what the fuck um, at one point the Black Panther confronts the Marvel zombies and as the Black Panther is technically the king of the dead every time he tells them to do something if they don't do it it hurts so if he tells them to kneel and they don't kneel like their skin starts itching and they, like, they don't feel right until they kneel and it just feels so much better. Uh, at one point, T'Challa gets an Infinity Gauntlet and he tries to fight Victor. Uh, Doom kills Thanos with one move. He just rips his spine out. Just like it's nothing. So just to give you an idea of how powerful Doom is in this story. He is God. For all intents and purposes, he is God. And so the story becomes how to read and the Spider-Man and a couple of other people fix this. And that's like the main story, but the, the real appeal is just the wacky ass shit going on in the story. Like, it's probably got 50 tie in books and they're all pretty damn good. I haven't read every single one of them. I've probably read 20 of them at this point, but they're all really good. It's just, it's the whole, the whole story from the main arc to all the tie in stuff. 
even really the lead up in the Avengers books is literally just a love letter to the history of the Marvel Universe. That's all it is. And when it's all said and done, they've cleared the decks. There's structure to the multiverse again. Miles Morales and a couple other characters. Uh, Ultimate Reed Richards, who's called the Maker, who I think is awesome. He's a villain. Uh, he and Miles and a couple other characters are like uh, incorporated into the main Marvel Universe. So it's like they've always been there, which was obviously the way to go. So now you have Miles as like Peter's... I'm not going to say sidekick because Miles is, is fully capable on his own. And Peter doesn't really probably isn't the best to teach anybody much of anything. But uh, uh, they do like Miles. It's like a, a big brother, little brother relationship, like in the video games, really. Um, it, it's really interesting. And it's a lot of fun, especially for Spider-Man fans. But Secret Wars has it all, man. It has Phoenix Cyclops. It has Dr. Doom is God. <laughs> it's got Doom versus Black Panther, Doom versus Reed Richards. Doom versus Doctor Strange. Miles may have saved the multiverse with like a six-month-old hamburger. Uh, you have to read it. <laughs> it was in his pocket the whole time. Uh, it's it's just it, the art is absolutely fantastic. Um, in a career full of really great artwork, Asad Rubik I think brought his best effort ever to Secret Wars. I mean, I cannot believe this book was not every issue came out six months later. I mean, it, it looks like it took a year to draw every issue. It's incredible. And Hickman is Marvel's, in my opinion, best writer and probably the best writer in comics right now. So you really can't go wrong with it. So that's my list. Uh, there's obviously a hell of a lot more you can pick up on. Uh, there's a lot of great Hulk stuff, a lot of great Iron Man stuff. Thor obviously has a lot of great stuff. And there's, there's big, big arcs. Uh, most of the time they tend to center around the X-Men or the Avengers, uh, which makes sense. But it, you know, you can really find some good stuff. Most of the time, the events are, are relatively disposable and, uh, you know, uh, original sin, stuff like that. For the most part, they're, they're pretty disposable access. But every now and then, there'll be something in there that, that really catches you and just it becomes one of your favorites. And, uh, you know, Maximum Carnage could easily have been on this list. Probably should have been on this list in place of some of the other stuff. Another honorable mention goes to Brian Benison, Brian Hitch, and 10 other artists on uh, Age of Ultron. That was pretty cool. Check them out. I, I think I might do another list for this for DC Sunday, but I don't know if I could come up with 10 DC events that, that are good. <laughs> I might have to cut it off at like six. But, you know, it just depends what your taste is. Sometimes the smaller stuff, maybe it's just a crossover between two books for like three issues, and that's your jam. Or you like the big, I want everybody. I want 12 issues, and I want every freaking character you can fit in there. You know, I want to see fights I've never seen, fights I didn't know I wanted to see. just depends what your taste is. So check it out. Uh, if you have any that you'd like to talk about or you want us to take a look at it in future episodes, leave a comment. You can check us out at comiczombie.net and you can find us on Facebook at Comic Zombie. Um, and you can uh, also find us at um, probablywork.com on this season of Podcasters Assemble. Where we've been talking about the Mortal Kombat films and games. So I highly recommend that. Those are a lot of fun. Everybody does a lot of work on those. Our buddy Eric is freaking killing himself on those. So uh, check them out, man. Support your boy. <laughs> check them out. But in the last couple of times, we've discussed uh, recommendations for reading some stories for characters that maybe you haven't read before. That's right. Uh, we've done Batman and Spider-Man. Today, we were going to do Superman, but some inspiration struck, and we're going to go with Hal Jordan or any Green Lantern for that matter. Uh, yeah, totally. Uh, no matter who your favorite is, they're all awesome. Uh, do you want to start off? 
Well, I'd like to start off with a couple honorable mentions because there's so many good. Dude. There's so much good Green Lantern material. Jeff John stuff. There's like 15 awesome stories. Arcs. There's great stories everywhere, but like 15 awesome, like big arcs. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. Um, you got like the old school, like there's a couple uh, Alan Moore stories that were really, really good. Um, and then the Jessica Cruz stuff. Like the more recent comics, her in the Justice League and all that. She's a yeah, she's a really cool character, and I like uh, the fact that she's struggling with her. Um, wow, what's that called? Agoraphobia. Agoraphobia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she has to kind of overcome that in addition to all the other craziness. I like, you know? Yeah, I like that she's a Green Lantern that's like full of fear. Yeah, like exactly. She has to overcome fear she's every li- time she takes a step. Exactly. And that's why she's got like skills that maybe some of the other ones don't. Yeah. So I like all that stuff. Um, but if I had to pick one, I'm going to have to go with the rage of the red lanterns, which is right in the middle of Jeff John's like like massive story arc. Yeah. He's got this like ongoing saga that lasts a few years, hundreds of issues. I want to say, uh, yeah, no rage of the red lanterns is like arc four and, um, it introduces a lot of new characters, like a whole, it's It's the the follow up to the the beginning of the, they had just teased that the star sapphires were not just star sapphires, that they were a core of their own. That's right. And they had their own lantern. Yeah. And then they found that the star sapphires were aware of lanterns of all other kinds of colors. And so we were like, whoa, what? We have already seen the yellow lanterns. Yeah. We had the Sinestra core war. So this is the first. Uh, in this arc, we meet both Saint Walker and the Blue Lanterns. That's right. And we meet uh, uh, Atrocitus. Atrocitus and, and his and, Red Lanterns. And, yeah, and, and Blees and uh, the little Which, and, <laughs> I don't think they've ever been as cool as they were when they were first introduced no, in this storyline. They, they got overexposed a bit after that. <laughs> For sure. There's never but, should have been a Red Lantern title. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. But they were pretty badass when they came onto the scene. Atrocitus was scary as hell. They're disturbing. They, and the rings purge their blood. Yeah. <laughs> and just fills it with like liquid hatred. <laughs> yeah. Like, holy shit. And I like that Jeff Johns really like has like different mantras for each of the lantern cores. I like how and they all got... kind of physically look different too. Right. Right. Yeah. Even though they're all from different species. All they around sort of the have their own abilities the a little bit. The all kind of have a look. Yeah. You know, cool. and yeah. When they, they all have all their own very distinct symbols too. The cores are all very distinct. Yeah. He made and sure it, that that was like the, by basing it off the emotional spectrum the yeah. way they did, they were able to really delve into that. And they used that, that each core represented a different spectrum to yep. show like different physical changes. Yeah, and exactly. It's like, for exactly. instance, like the Red Lanterns had the blood pouring down their face all the yeah, time. Yeah, because they're everything. powered by rage. The Indigo Tribal has like the tattoos. And right, the, exactly. And all that stuff. It was cool. Um, but I love the Blue Lanterns too. And they're a big part of this storyline, which I thought was awesome. Yeah, I like that they're- well. Yeah, and they're powered by hope. Yeah. You know, Saint which is Walker's cool. awesome. He's one of my favorite Green Lantern characters, even though he's not ever been a Green Lantern. Definitely. But yeah, as a Blue Lantern, he was awesome. Definitely. But I love that, like, the whole storyline revolves around Sinestro is about to be executed by Atrocitus, and Hal has to stop him. Yeah, Hal's Hal the one that wants to... him to get executed <laughs> exactly. like, by the Green Lanterns and not, like, right. murdered on a planet full of rage monsters. <laughs> yeah, Hal exactly. also wants to stop all this crap with all these other rings, because he doesn't yeah. like, every time he learns some new news, mm-hmm. it's terrifying. Yeah, exactly. He's sick of it. Well, and there's and so whole... this is the first time where yeah. he gets a chance to, like, make any kind of fight back against it. Unfortunately Definitely. for him and Sinestro, it's, like, on the Red Lantern's planet. Yeah. And they're everywhere yeah um it's it's yeah, pretty dire state i'll use like different colored rings in yeah one, like multiple different colors well, he, he gets infected by the red ring yeah. at one point and they use a blue ring to like the um, red ring over to purge it yeah but then they put the blue ring one of the uh saint walker puts the blue ring yep. on his arm and it like explodes the red ring yeah exactly and the only lanterns that's powers work against the red lanterns is the blue lantern yeah exactly so, like the green lanterns 
when they're near blue lanterns, their energy level goes like through the roof. Yeah. So he's like at 200% charge. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, hell yeah. yeah. yeah it's really cool the way yeah. he like. That was cool. It's like battle beasts. Wood beats water. Water beats fire. Fire beats wood. Yeah. It, I mean, all those dynamics are really cool. And like the fact that Jeff Johns was making all this up, like he invented it. Yeah. Basically. He, invented the he took like little things from the past and kind of made it one cohesive story, he which is really cool. He redefined the entire mythos for the character yeah. in, in like ways that it made it so much cooler. Definitely. I never, like I always liked Green Lantern. Yeah. As a kid, like totally. I, I never would like buy Green Lantern comics. I had like a few from like Emerald Dawn, yeah, where he went crazy. Right, like, there's some cool ones from the '90s and stuff. Yeah, but uh, and I got a few Cal Rayner. Right, Cal Rayner was cool. I liked him a lot in Grant Morrison's Justice League. Oh, and what they did with uh, John Stewart and the I animated like Justice and League. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was really cool. Yeah. I like Guy, Guy Gardner and I liked um, Kilowog and all of them. I like yeah. all of them <laughs> totally. But I was never like, oh, I love Green Lantern until Rebirth. Until, yeah. And I had just been following Jeff Johns and everything, and I really liked his stuff on Flash. Yeah. And I think Teen Titans may have already come out, and I was digging that. And I was like, if this dude can make Teen Titans cool, <laughs> yeah, exactly. He can make anything yeah. cool. And and when I read Green Lantern Rebirth, I was like, oh shit, I'm all in. And I went and bought <laughs> like every Green Lantern title because they had like three titles at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, because they were focusing on different yeah. Green Lanterns. Well, because there there's so yeah, many of like, them. At one point, it was like Emerald Knights was a book. Emerald Knights Green was Lantern Kyle Rayner teaming up with the other. Uh, that was White the other Lantern, 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 Lantern. course. Oh, oh, you know Emerald Knights was that was yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so now uh, mine mine is another entry from the Jeff John stuff. But like you said, that Rebirth, um, the the uh, No Fear, Rage of the Lost Lanterns, mm-hmm. or the Revenge of the Lost Lanterns. Excuse the me, the Larfleys one. The, that's Agent Orange. Agent Orange, yeah, um, that was great. The Revenge of the Lost Lanterns were the, the lanterns that Hal didn't kill. That's right. When he went crazy, but he with the cyborg Superman affecting him, but he stole, yeah, he stole yeah, the yeah. rings and left them for dead. Yeah, um, that built up the cyborg Superman and the Manhunters, and it yeah. was really cool. There's some really great um, stuff. Everything to that he whole... did, the, his to me, Green Lantern was by far the most interesting new 52 book because Sinestro yeah. become a Green Lantern again. That was crazy. And it was the one book that didn't like reset its continuity. Yeah. Exactly. And they'd introduced Simon Baz. And oh, yeah. That. Simon was cool. Yeah. yeah. So there was all these lanterns. It was really cool. And they did like the War of the Lanterns where everybody had to switch rings to different cores. That's right. Like John was wearing like a yellow ring. It yeah. was cool. That was a cool um, concept. Guy became a Red Lantern. And, like he ring Which totally makes sense. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. Um, but yeah, the, the one that started this whole thing. And it, to me, it was maybe the peak. Although I will give honorable mention to Blackest Night, which is so freaking awesome. Yeah, Blackest Night is great. Um, it's amazing. But it all started with... I mean, zombie superheroes, right? <laughs> yeah. It all started with the Sinestro Corps War. And this not that only That was made, a good one. It not yeah. only makes Sinestro one of the A-list supervillains in DC Comics. He's space Hitler. <laughs> yeah, it elevates him tremendously. But it launches with like a one-shot that I've never, ever, ever reading superhero comics ever felt more like the heroes are totally... 1000% screwed. Yeah. <laughs> you not only have Sinestro yeah. and this core he's built of 7,200 Sinestro core members. So for every Green Lantern, there's now a Yellow yeah. Lantern who yep. gets more powerful the more fear is spread. Yeah, exactly. So Sinestro starts sending them out on like these raiding parties. So like the more they kill, yeah. The more fear spreads. Yeah. The more fear spreads, the stronger they get. Yeah. The stronger power they by. get, the more they go out and kill, the yeah. more fear they spread. Yeah. It's pretty terrifying. So then you find out that like the Green Lanterns have weaponized their um, source of their power, Ion, the, ener- mm. the entity Ion, which is like the embodiment of willpower. Right. It's what lives in the lantern. The it's the battery. Lantern that gives, yeah. The giant. Yeah. Sinestro has done that On to Parallax. Earth. 
the entity. Right. Yeah, he captures it, right? Yes. He's put it in the lantern, the yellow lantern. Mm-hmm. Um, and which makes all the yellow lanterns even stronger. Yeah. Then you find out that Kyle, who has been infused with the ion entity, he's the most powerful lantern. Yeah, that's right. They zap his ass over to the negative, the anti, the uh, antimatter universe. Is that what it is? Cord. Yeah, cord. And Kyle is now on a planet with seven thousand enemies, all trying to kill him. (laughs) Yeah, it's nuts. He puts up a big fight, but he loses. Yeah. And they forcibly remove ion from him and forcibly insert parallax. That's right. So now Kyle is parallax the yeah. same way Hal was like the most terrifying villain in dc kyle yeah. now is definitely he's now teamed up with seven thousand sinestro core members well a little <laughs> bit less because he killed a bunch of them yeah sinestro then if that weren't enough and it should be you come to find out he's allied with the cyborg superman yeah and if that weren't enough <laughs> he has taken over the manhunters yeah <laughs> which are the precursors of the green lantern corps yeah, there's a robots, legion of them like sentinels yeah. thousands and thousands yeah. of them yeah. And if that weren't enough, it's pretty hopeless. Their big daddy badass, the boss of bosses that they're all working for, mm-hmm. the fucking anti monitor. That's right. Yeah. From Crisis on Infinite Earth, the guy yeah. that destroyed like a thousand universes, yeah. is there. He's on their side. Oh, yeah. also Superboy Prime. Oh, yeah. Just to, just to, <laughs> like, are you shitting me? <laughs> And it is the, the story deck stacked is against hell. Insane. Yeah. Like it, the, the yellow lanterns strike hard and fast constantly there. Yeah. The green lanterns are on the run. There's all kinds of crazy ass yellow lanterns, including yeah. a, like a live virus. Oh, that's right. That they said to kill oh. Kyle's mom. There were some disturbing characters. Sinestro was like, hey, Sinestro calls Kyle the alley rat because yeah. Ganthet gave him a ring in the in an alley when the core was. Oh, dead. yeah, yeah. And so Sinestro looks at him with like disdain. Yeah. So just to fuck with him, yeah. he put parallax in him and sent the sentient virus to go kill his mom. Yeah. And, she, and he does. It kills Kyle's mom. Yeah. The, fi- the <laughs> fact that up. it ends with a fist fight between Hal, Kyle, and Sinestro mm-hmm. is perfect. The fact that they didn't leave Kyle out of it. Yeah. Exactly. Jeff was very good. Jeff Johns is very he good balanced. about it. Inclu- yeah. Balancing yeah. the core. Everybody has their moments. Like Guy and John are both like, yeah, there's death. like Guy's been infected with the virus and he's like losing his sight. Yeah, there's so some John's great like moments for all of them. His hand where it needs to be to fight. I like that it takes all four of them, you know, yeah. to really defend Earth. Because the ending, well, it's the whole core at that point. Well, yeah, like, it's every. They, but it all comes down to this battle in Coast City, right? Yeah, which is you get such the new a great, Ion Sodom yeah. yacht. Who's a, yeah. a, Dan- a Daxamite, which is like a Kryptonian. That's right. So yeah. on Earth, he's like Superman. He's yeah. got Superman strength and he's fighting yeah. Superboy Prime. And it's so like crazy. It's a brutal fight of like DC in like a decade. It's yeah. intense. Yeah. And at the same time, you've got Hal and Kyle fighting Sinestro. And at yeah. the same time, you've got Superman, all these other dudes trying to fight the core. Like it's crazy. It's pretty nuts. Uh, the Superman family's fighting the cyborg Superman, Hank Henshaw. Yeah. And his Manhunters. So you got like Clark and. That's uh, right. Kara and, and Connor, they're all fighting against robot Superman and shit. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. It's pretty nuts. It's one of my all-time favorite DC events, period. I think one of the coolest things about that whole storyline was towards the end when the whole city kind of stands up. Yeah. You know, and they like all green lights the green light. Yeah, that yeah. was such a great moment. And that's what John's does character beats like that better than anybody in comic books. Yeah. He's the master at it. Really, when they go to reboot the Green Lantern movies or whatever, if they try it again, hopefully fingers crossed yeah, just, um just they this. just need to adapt yeah jeff john's stuff for real dude. cut it down a little bit maybe but yeah it's, this it's, would work great as a movie he built 
I mean, maybe change a few things, but you he know, built one streamline of the sillier it. Justice League characters. Yeah, into one of the strongest corners of publishing DC has. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, so yeah, Rage of the Red Lanterns, the Sinestro Core War. We also recommend most of John's run. Period, especially Anything Blackest Night by Alan Moore. Um, I would also recommend the stuff by Ron Mars with Kyle Rayner. Yeah, uh, where Kyle's the only Green Lantern. That stuff is cool, especially oh, that's with, right, uh, Ollie Queen's son is the new yeah. Green Arrow. Green, that's yeah. pretty cool. Um, I also there's check some out, good there's some good uh, Green Lantern Green Arrow comics yeah, from like the seventies. Check out the Denny O'Neill Neil the Adams, Denny O'Neill stuff. Yeah, Green Arrow Green Lantern, and then finally I would also recommend um, the those got deep in the bold comics with Green Lantern and Flash. Yeah, those are all really yeah. great. If you get like some of those old DC Showcase collections for, for sure, bucks, they're really cool. Yeah, there's some good um, ones, and then. Uh, I would also say that there's actually some really st- cool stuff by the guy that followed Jeff Johns, Robert Venditti, uh, who's on the book. Oh, for quite yeah, a yeah, while, that's right. But he's not Jeff Johns. So his book kind of got like overlooked a bit. Yeah. He did some good stuff. There's, there's also Tomasi, an Earth. Peter Tomasi was the other writer. He did the Green Lantern yeah. Core book. That was like the Guy Gardner, John Stewart book. That's That was pretty good stuff. Or Guy Gardner, uh, Kyle Rayner book. And yeah. It was awesome. I I will say there was an Earth One book not too long ago. Oh, by Gabe Hardman. That was that was great. awesome. They got a sequel coming out. It was a really cool like reboot, Honestly, like reimagining. All the Earth One books are awesome. They are really good. They're really, really good. solid. We'll have to do an episode on this. Wonder Woman one was great. Yeah, that was the awesome. Jeff Johns Batman. I actually really like the Superman ones. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, it's JMS writing <laughs> Superman where he's not walking across America. <laughs> I, I don't hate that storyline. No, if we're going to do a what the fuck moment, that's mine. It's a, it's a weird one it's for sure. so stupid. He's like, I'm not flying anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get back to the roots and walk the streets of America. I mean, I like what they were trying to go for. I just picture the Andy Griffith theme song playing. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what is happening? He was just trying to do something different. I, totally. I for that, but I don't, that's what I, I'm saying. That's kind of silly. Yeah, no, totally. Um, all right. Well, I think we've been going on more than long enough. Yeah. Make sure to check us out at comiczombie.net, epicfails.com. That's E-P-I-K fails.com. Yep. You can also check Eric out on Too Young for This Trek. That's right. And uh, you can catch both of us on, well, specifically Eric this season. I'm, I haven't been as consistent as I'd like, but on the Podcasters Assemble series, uh, you can find us on seasons two. Unfortunately, we missed out on season one. We would have been the perfect... <laughs> We I'm trying to. It. I'm trying yeah. to convince them to like re-release Bro, some episodes with us on them. We should totally do that. The MCU movies. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Season two well, is Star still, Wars. There's still then, some uh, movies that are coming out, yeah, so maybe yeah. we'll get a part two. Yeah. Season three, of course, the James Bond films. Uh, yeah. But yeah, check out my podcasters assemble. Is it probablywork.com? Uh, really great stuff. And check out the people. If you like those shows, check out some of the other people on there. They're really great. They work really hard. There's some really funny shows on there to check out as well. I agree. Uh, anybody else you want to mention? I think you covered it. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, thanks for joining us. We'll check it out next time. But we're going to get, I swear to God, next time is going to we're be- We're going to get our shit together. The not so great debate. We are going to do it. Yep. All right. I'm committed. Same fat time, same fat Wait, that's not ours. Just, just give me, <laughs> just give me prep time. I'm there. I got you. <laughs> just like, just like a Batman Superman fight, you know? <laughs> <laughs> then we'll call it a draw. We find out our moms have the same name. Uh, all right, so till next time, thanks very much for joining us on Comic Zombie. Take care, everybody. This has been a presentation of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Follow us on Twitter at Probably Work for more of our questionable content. Also, we have a website called ProbablyWork.com. In the Marvel Universe, every. Um uh, I I don't know. Here we go. Oh, do we want to do the WTF moments?
I'll just skip over. Let's just skip it this time because it's, it's almost at two hours. Yeah. So. Okay. 